You are now tuned in to the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? The following podcast is a production of the network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Welcome to the Herd and Ten podcast. Here's your host, Jake Fertinsky. Hey everyone, welcome to the Herd and Ten podcast. I'm your host, Jake Fertinsky. You can find me on Twitter at jfortinskynfl. You can also check out any of our dedicated social media accounts on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at Herd and 10 We're constantly posting content there, so it's worth checking those out, giving us a follow, giving us a like. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please, please, please give us a five-star rating. Give us a five-star review. It will help continue to grow our audience. We got Bill's football. Almost. We're getting training camp and it's going to be awesome. And there's going to be positional battles. And then we're going to get preseason. We're going to actually get to watch football. And it should be known that NFL Network is going to be broadcasting all of the Bills preseason games, all three Bills preseason games. Not going to talk here for long. This is just going to be a quick intro because we actually have two separate guests. We actually have three guests. On this episode, next up, we're going to have the guys from the Crack One Open podcast. If you're looking for a casual sports and lifestyle podcast, this is the podcast for you. I highly recommend it. I personally listen to it. It's a lot of fun. And then after them, we have another exciting guest. We have EJ Daniels from Pro Football Focus. We've had him on a few times. He really knows his stuff. And he really, really loves the Buffalo Bills. So it's always fun to have a passionate fan and professional on the show. So you really got to stick around for this entire show. We have so much great stuff coming up. First, we're going to hit it off with the guys from the Crack One Open podcast. And then we will be talking to Pro Football Focus's EJ Daniels. We're going to be talking COVID-19 stuff. We're going to be talking greatest celebrations and of course we're going to be talking buffalo bills and what we expect of the bills and what we expect in training camp thanks it's the gift giving season and now there's a great card game that gives you action on any televised football game you watch just add your family friends and fun and you have the drive play the drive.com if you miss the drive you miss the party play the drive.com Welcome back to the Herd and 10 podcast. I'm excited to announce who we have on. We have the guys from the Crack One Open podcast. Guys, how's it going? Tell our listeners where they can find your content and maybe why they should check your show out. Hey, everybody. My name is Derek. I'm one of the co-hosts of the Crack One Open podcast. Bob, you want to introduce yourself? I'm Big Bob. I'm the other co-host of the Crack One Open podcast. 
Yeah, the Crack One Open podcast is pretty much a catch-all between comedy and sports. It's where um, the guys just come to meet and hang out and talk life, sports, and everything else in between that. Um, the premise behind it is pretty much, you know, just cracking open a cold one with your friends and um, shoot, like, you know, just mess, messing around like we all, always do behind the scenes. Um, but you can find the Cracked One Open podcast on all major platforms. Um, and even, uh, yes, last week we even started dropping the video version on our YouTube channel. Awesome. Yeah, look, I'm telling all our listeners, check this show out. It's really good. If you're looking for something a little more casual, a little more relaxed, covering sports, also just fun, relatable stuff, lifestyle stuff, I'm telling you, check it out. Very different than my show. Definitely worth a listen. I listen to it. I think you should all check it out. So thanks, guys, for being here. We got a bunch of different things to talk about. Of course, they're all Bills related because that's what we talk about here. The first thing I want to talk about is there are some articles now coming out talking about whether Josh Allen should consider holding out for an extension, holding out in training camp. I personally think that's ridiculous. I don't think he's doing that. He has not given any indication that he plans to do that. It sounds like him and management are on the same page, which is they want to come to an agreement, whether it's going to be this year or next year, we don't know. Of course, he's still under contract. He's still on his rookie deal. Do you guys think that it's possible that he could hold out? Do you agree that this is a little silly at this point? I personally do not think that he's going to hold out. Um, I think there's too much to risk for him holding out. He really killed it last year and the whole team killed it last year, honestly, from what I've seen, but I think it's a pretty silly, uh, thought that he should hold out on a contract. Yeah. And, um, you were mentioning he's still under contract and I believe he has his fifth year option, which he, he can get about like what a $22 million payday just from that option itself. So I think there's, he's not going to be overly greedy with, um, on the salary side because he's he's good it's not like he had one good year and it's going to go away he's here to stay and i think it's just going to prove that and it's going to help in future negotiations for a big payday yeah i like that take because if he believes in himself if he believes that he can continue to perform there's no reason for him to hold out the reason you would hold out is you're nervous your career could end short you want to lock up a big deal I don't think that's the case with Allen. I also don't think that's the scenario with Allen and management. I think that they have a really good relationship. I think the team has really blossomed under him. And of course, under management, they've given him all the pieces he could ever ask for. I feel like he's as happy as ever. And I don't think he wants to taint that. You see this happen where players hold out. And even if they end up getting a deal, and a lot of times they do, it does kind of hurt that relationship between the player and the management. And I don't think that's a good way for Josh Allen to start the future with the Buffalo Bills. And I just don't think it's going to happen because I think he's really happy. And I think he believes that management is going to pay him because when we look at what the Bills organization has done is they have paid every player that has performed well. Every guy that deserves their money has gotten it. From Tredavious White, he's received it. You have Deion Dawkins, he got his contract. Daryl Williams, the list goes on. Every player who's performed well for the Bills in the last few years has gotten a reasonable contract, and I think Josh Allen should expect nothing less. And I hope that he doesn't hold out, because that, of course, would 
cause a lot of trouble. We've seen some issues now with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. It's not a good way to go down. And I just don't think that that's going to happen in Buffalo. So on to the next topic here. We have training camp coming up. And there are, of course, a lot of players on the Bills that we expect to really perform well. But there's also some players that we're hoping might break out. Do either of you have anyone on your list that you think might break out for the Bills? And it could be on the offensive side of the ball. It could be on the defensive side of the ball. And of course, it can include rookies as well. Offensively, I think Emmanuel Sanders is going to have a really good year and be a good compliment to Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs had his, if I'm not mistaken, his biggest season, you know, of his career, if I'm not mistaken. And I think Emmanuel Sanders is going to break out as well and really add to the receiving core of the team. Yeah. Another receiver, and this is actually how, you know, we got connected on, on Instagram talking about Isaiah Hodgins, um, the second year from Oregon state. I think he has a really great chance of becoming a second or third um, wide receiver for the Buffalo bills and becoming a really big role player. He got, you know, he got hurt a little last year, so he didn't really get, have an option to really play, but he was so undervalued in that draft. And he came out as a, um, a junior, but his junior year, he had almost 1200 yards and 13 touchdowns, which he had to fight for. Those weren't easy yards for him to come by. And with having a talented quarterback in Josh Allen, I think it's really going to be um, a be- like a beautiful thing going on. And I know Josh Allen's pretty pretty high on Isaiah Hodgins and has said some nice things about him. Yeah, I love those takes, both of them. Because first, we look at Emmanuel Sanders. He's a guy that's nearing the end of his career. He obviously wants to be a part of something special. He hopefully wants to go and win a Super Bowl. And I think he's going to fit in really nicely with the Bills especially because he's not being asked to be the number one. He's being asked to be the number two, the number three, maybe even the fourth. I mean, the Bills wide receiving core is just so loaded. It probably helps a guy who's nearing the end feel really comfortable to just do his job. He doesn't have to do too much. He's not being asked to do a lot. He's just being asked to do a few simple things. And I think Emmanuel Sanders can definitely handle that. He's taken on a lot more than that in previous years in his career. And as for Isaiah Hodgins, it's true. We did connect on that. And I have high hopes for him. When we look at what Gabriel Davis did last season, he was also sort of a surprise. He came into training camp. I don't think anyone really knew what he had to bring to the table. And of course, he ends up becoming who we know now, which is arguably the Bills' third best receiver, or at least fourth best when you take into consideration Emmanuel Sanders now. And he really showed that he can be more than just a slot guy. He can be more than a guy that gets a couple catches a game. He can really make an impact. And I think Isaiah Hodgins is very similar in that sense. Big build, quick on his routes, and has really good hands. We need reliable receivers, and I think Isaiah Hodgins can be that. Of course, he can also be a key piece in the red zone just with his sheer size. And I've talked about it now quite a bit. Isaiah Hodgins has a real opportunity to break into this receiving core and make a real impact because like you said, he did. He missed the entire season last year. He didn't get to play. He's still on the roster. You hope he's going to make the final roster this year. And if he does, he has a legitimate shot to actually make an impact on a receiving core that's already so deep. So 
it's going to be interesting because I think training camp is going to tell us a lot about which guys are going to make the team, which aren't, and not only who's going to make the team, but who's really going to step up. And I'm hopeful that Isaiah Hodgins is one of those guys because if the Bills are going to go deep, they're going to need other guys. There's going to be injuries. You're going to need guys like Hodgins, like Davis, to step up and make an effort when you need them to. Final piece I want to cover here, and this might take us a little while. I want to review the AFC East. I want to get each of your takes on where the AFC East is right now. When we look at these teams, some are in a rebuilding stage. Some are hopefully getting to the Super Bowl and the Bills. Where is the AFC East division right now? Where do you see it in the next three years? Do you still see the Bills leading the way? Do you see the Jets taking a step forward? The Patriots, the Dolphins? There's quite a few interesting teams here that are in very different stages of their franchise. So I'm curious to know what you guys think. Yeah, so me personally, um, I, I, I'm a big believer in Josh Allen. Um, I'm a Steelers fan, so it kind of hurts for me to say that I see another AFC team really being a dominating team, not just in a division, but in a conference overall. So I really do believe that the Bills will be atop of that conference. And in the middle is where it gets a little interesting. And you mentioned that before with the rebuilding and trying to just figure out who these teams are right now. Um, probably the second best team like right now, in my opinion, is just Miami. They're, they're interesting. They're really young. And I know uh, Tua didn't you – know, like they, there's some talking about Deshaun Watson going down over there um, and Tua getting traded over to there. Um, if that actually did act happen, I could see Deshaun Watson really bringing that team up. But with, with everything going on with him right now, I'm just not sure if that's possible. Um, and then the, the Patriots, uh, your guys' arch nemesis um, with Bill Belichick over there. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure they're always going to be around. It's kind of interesting over there with Cam Newton being, you know, former MVP, Super Bowl experience if they're going to in cam or if they're going to let Mac Jones kind of take the reins, it's that's, that's going to be super interesting to watch from an outsider's perspective. And I think the jets are always just going to be a bottom of the barrel team. <laughs> what about you, Bob? Yeah, I agree. Uh, almost exactly what you said. Um, I'm a Browns fan. So kind of how Derek said, you know, I've been, as a conference as a whole, I'd kind of like to see them flourish. But as far as the AFC East goes, I think the Bills are going to stay up top there. Second in that division, in my opinion, is going to be the Patriots. I don't think uh, old Billy Bill is going to just lay down and have a season like he had last year without you know trying to at least make a statement this year. Um, Dolphins, you know, kind of we'll see what happens for me there. I don't really know if they can make anything crazy happen, but. And I also think that the Jets are probably always going to be a bottom of the barrel team. <laughs> I like that. I'll take it. Yeah, the Jets, they're a long way. I mean, it's hard to know if they see some development. I guess it's possible they could be an answer, but I feel like they're just so far behind. I'm curious what you guys think specifically of Tua Tagovailoa because when I look at what he did last season, I see a roller coaster ride. I see ups and downs. I see a guy who, to start the season, everyone went when he did start. Everyone was talking about him. Oh, he looks so good. He hasn't thrown an interception. But when you actually look at the way he was playing, he wasn't really being asked to do a lot. Do you guys think he's actually the answer in Miami? So me personally, I haven't watched a whole lot of 
Miami Dolphins. Um, I'm more of a Kyle Van Noy fan on the linebacker side before they got rid of him and he is now at the Patriots. But and that was, that's where a lot of my belief was going on that side. But on the quarterback side, I'm not entirely sure. When I look at his overall stats, it doesn't paint like the best pitcher for success. Um, he's, it looks like he only he only almost threw double the touchdowns of interceptions. Only had 11 touchdowns in total and couldn't even break 2,000 yards. Um, and had a pretty low passer rating in my opinion as well. So I, I don't know if he's the answer, but he might be the answer for the next couple years until something promising comes. Yeah. Kind of like you said, uh, <clears throat> you know, he wasn't really asked a lot. It seems like any time last year that they had something going on, they, you know, relied on Fitz magic to come in and, you know, do his magic. So it, it was kind of hard to get a read on it for sure, but I wouldn't mind going out on a limb and saying that he could potentially be the future of that organization. Cause you know, as of right now, it's kind of their, only bet that I know of. Um, I think he could definitely, you know, fall in the line and do what he needs to do there. I mean, he hasn't really shown anything to prove otherwise. I think he'll be good, but just like how it seemed with them relying on Fitzpatrick to come in and do what he does in clutch moments, kind of hints towards they don't believe in him. That's just my opinion. I'm not, you know, I also don't watch a whole bunch of Dolphins, but what I have watched, that was kind of my takeaway from it. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it's it's tricky with him. I don't think we really know what he's going to become, but I'm hopeful that he doesn't become anything special. I, I agree with you, Derek. I I think at this point, he's an answer for the next couple of years, especially because they do have such a great defense. I think that they have a really good team around him that they don't necessarily need a great quarterback to maybe make the playoffs, maybe win a game in the playoffs. I think they're not that far off from that. But to really go far, you're going to need a good quarterback. And I don't know if Tua is that guy. So final question for you guys. And it's a little more fun. Let's bring some fun into this episode. I know you guys like to do that. Um, Favorite celebration. Do you have a favorite touchdown celebration that you've seen on TV or live when you're at a game? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I definitely do. So being a Steelers fan... One of the funniest things I've ever seen was um, when Antonio Brown, well, he was the punt returner for the Steelers and they were playing the Colts and uh, Pat McAfee kicks off, punts the ball over the Antonio Brown. He brings it to the house and he jumps on that, um, the field goal post, wraps around it. He doesn't even realize that the security chick is behind there, grabs her. She, she's scared. She's scared, really scared. And he, I mean, he pretty much just slams into that thing and slides down it. That thing went viral all over the place, made me laugh. And I, even all these years later, I still actually laugh out loud whenever, whenever I see that. I remember that play. He looked like a, like a koala bear attaching to the uh, goalpost. That was hilarious. Yeah, I, I, I remember that. Yeah, for a year, man, he was doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Do you remember when he, they played the Browns and he jumped over the punter and actually like put his foot down on his head and like kicked him down to the ground? It was he was pulling all kinds of clips out. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, you know, I have to say that my favorite celebration that I've seen, I forget who scored the touchdown, but uh, it was the Browns. We scored a touchdown and all the offensive players went down. They, you know, pretended to roll out a red carpet and whoever scored was like posing and doing funny stuff. And um, 
Baker was standing at the back of the red carpet, take pretending to take pictures. That was probably my favorite one that I've seen. Yeah, those are those are pretty good. I mean, the the one that just comes to mind. I mean, there's so many, but obviously, I'm gonna pull a Bills related one. I think it was in the snow game, and Scott Chandler gets a touchdown, and he's pretending to shovel the snow. And just to give some background, prior to this game, and the Bills listeners will know this. Prior to the game, the game was going to get canceled because there was so much snow. They ended up basically allowing people in the surrounding areas in Orchard Park, in and around Orchard Park, to come and shovel the snow and clean it up so the Bills could actually play there. And I just remember him doing that shovel. I think the game actually even got moved and they played it in Detroit. But to sort of give that thank you to the fans, he did that fake shovel. So that was pretty fun. So I remember that. But um, look, guys, thank you so much for coming on. Always nice to have a couple guys. I'm not used to having two guests like this on at the same time. It's a lot of fun. You guys bring a great uh, attitude. And um, hopefully we can have you on again in uh, another time later in the season. So thanks so much, guys. And if anyone wants to check them out again, they are the Crack One Open podcast. If you're looking for something fun, something casual, and still sports related, I'm telling you, you got to check it out. Thanks, guys, and go Bills. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. That was fun. Hey, Bills Mafia. This has been a crazy year with a lot of changes. Good changes, like the Patriots not sitting at the top of the AFC East. But this year has certainly brought some challenges and has made it harder for us all to connect with our fellow sports fans. If you are a big sports fan like me, then you need to join this new sports fan community called Playing the Field. Playing the Field has developed a dating and community app centered around our sports fan lifestyle. It is a great sports-focused interface from their profile trading cards in your favorite team's colors down to their bubblegum in-app currency. The best part is that right now, while they're still in beta, it is 100% free to join. And you also get extra in-app bubblegum that you can trade in when their premium features get added in a few months. Go to playthefielddating.com and sign up now to buddy up, recruit teammates, or find your MVP. Also, be sure to check out their podcast, The Fan Experience, where they interview sports fans just like you and me and let them share their fan experiences. The Fan Experience is live Tuesdays and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Or you can catch the replays on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can't have a team without a mate. Go and find one now at playthefielddating.com. Welcome back to the Herd and 10 podcast. We have EJ Daniels here with us. I've had him on a few times. He's from Pro Football Focus. He's the Bills media correspondent. He also is a contributor for the Cold Front Report. EJ, how excited are you that we are now one week away from training camp? And in fact, the rookies have now finally reported to camp. This is pretty crazy. 
Yes, sir. Anytime we can get a sniff, a whiff of football when we haven't had it for umpteen months, it feels like it's always a great feeling. So I want to start this part with covering what's going on with Cole Beasley, because this COVID-19 situation, as we know, this pandemic is not over yet, but we're getting close to being past it. But Cole Beasley, who has been very open that he has not been vaccinated, is now continuing to kind of promote people to not get vaccinated. He's almost discouraging it. He just recently tweeted saying that I'm not spreading anything. I get tested every day. Do you? I've already had a teammate who was vaccinated and was sent home for COVID yesterday. Luckily, he caught it on Monday because if it would have been Tuesday, he would have given it to everyone for a whole week before being tested. So it's interesting. And there's no question. Yes, if you're vaccinated, it doesn't mean you can't get it. However, it's less likely that you get it. It's also less likely that you spread it. What do you think of Cole Beasley continuing to do this? You know, it's one thing for him to not get vaccinated, but it's another thing to be tweeting about it constantly. I feel like this could cause issues in the locker room. Definitely. I'm right there with you. This can most certainly cause issues in the locker room. It's already, you know, making, you know, waves through Twitter. And as I keep reiterating, you know, you know that the Bills brass, they watch Twitter. They watch people's social media feeds and seeing what people are saying about the Bills mafia and see what's going on. And for him to consistently keep tweeting about, you know, don't get the vaccine. Or like I said, it could be very divisive, you know, very quickly. And, and the fact that he came out and talked about a team member going home, being sent home, be, for COVID is also something that can be divisive too, because now you're divulging things that's going on, going on in house, which Sean McDermott, you know, is not a big fan of. So, I mean, I could see him being on the bubble strictly just for, you know, distraction purposes, you know, not limiting distractions from the Bills locker room. I mean, people have been rumbling that, you know, he may be on the bubble with, you know, the arrival of uh, Sanders, and with Isaiah Hodgins also coming along too, you know, he could be one of the wide receivers that doesn't make the roster, but I think he's a really good player. I think he's definitely an asset to the Bills. Um, he, he's been the most open receiver the past three years, most catches from the slot, most yards from the slot. You know, he's been a great, you know, slot wide receiver. And it's just unfortunate that, you know, he can't not press in like Herm Edwards says, you know, do not press in. And he's just kind of, you know, adding fuel to the fire, you know, each and every time this subject comes up. Yeah, it definitely doesn't seem like something Bill's management would want. They tend to be a very private type of organization, at least under Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. And you bring up an interesting point there, which is that Cole Beasley could be on the outs. It's possible. Of course, it's, it's not likely, but it's certainly possible when we look at the depth that the receiving core does have. There is another position where there is a bubble guy, and we talked about it before we jumped on here. That's Jerry Hughes. Is Jerry Hughes on his way out? We know he's nearing the end of his career, but is he in trouble here to even make the roster? See, this is a this is a very interesting subject. And like I told you, you know, off off air, I kind of discussed this on Saturday and I had to sit back. And once I discussed it, I kind of sat back and was like, man, this really is like a double edged sword. Because on the one hand, like you mentioned, you know, all the statistics on the analytics, all the advanced analytics says that Jerry Hughes was a top five pass rusher this year. I mean, he made a lot of strides, you know, at the end of last season, you know, having two sacks in that game against the Ravens, you know, um, playing pretty well uh, the against the Colts 
for some parts of the Colts game. But, you know, towards the end of the season, he started playing great. But, you know, he was top five in, in uh, pressures. You know, he's one of the uh, top 10. He was number 16 in PFF grade amongst edge rushers. Um, definitely a high pass rush run rate, as always. So it's just tough to justify someone with, of that magnitude being cut. But once you look at it from the other side, you know, he's due $10 million. And once you sit and think about it, it's like, He's an aging pass rusher. This is the last year of his deal. And you got two big contracts coming up on the horizon. You got Josh Allen's. He's going to get at least 200 million. Like you, you're going to have to set your, your hopes on Josh Allen's going to get at least $200 million. He said he was going to get a, give a hometown discount, but I don't believe any player is going to give a hometown discount in this market. And then you got Stefan Diggs coming up, you know, so you got to ask yourself the question, am I going to keep him on the roster and go at it one more year or I'm, or I'm, I going to save money towards the future, roll some more cap over and get ready for these big contracts that are coming up for more valuable positions coming up down the line. So it's definitely a, a tough, a tough pill to swallow if they did cut Jerry Hughes, but I just really, my official take is I really just can't see them cutting their most productive pass rusher after such a solid season and a solid end to the season also. Agreed. I don't know if it's possible. I mean, he is due a lot of money. 10 million is a, a big chunk for a guy that, presumably is not going to be as good this year as he was last year. However, he has defied the odds now for a couple years where he's looked a lot better than we thought he would. The only thing here where I think the value comes truly more than even what he can do on paper is what he can do as a guide, as a veteran, so he can teach some of the new guys. Because the Bills just drafted two new edge rushers, and you better believe they want these guys to develop into something special. And when you look at the, the Bills defensive line, the best guy to teach them would be Jerry Hughes. And I guess the next one would be Mario Addison. So if they've kept Addison, I would imagine they're keeping Hughes as well. And they're just going to say, you know what? It's a lot of money. But if it's going to make our new rookies that much better and be able to play for the next five, six, seven years at a high level, then it's worth the risk. It's worth the money. I guess there's also the other option. Can you restructure his contract? Is that still mm. an option? And maybe that's the road they go down because it seems like Jerry Hughes wants to end his career with the Buffalo Bills. But it wouldn't seem unreasonable that he would take a slight discount because it's his final season. And we're not talking about huge money, but you might be able to shave off two, three million. And that at least makes it a little more tolerable when you're spending seven to eight million. It doesn't feel quite as bad as when you get into those double digit millions. No, no, definitely. A restructure is definitely, you know, something that's on the table that should be on the table. Um, like I said, you know, those big contracts that are coming up, man, you, you, you got to prepare for them some way. And there has been rumblings that, you know, Jerry could even be in a situational type pass rusher, a role and, and if that's the case then you definitely need to restructure that deal because you can't have just 10 million dollars playing a player a player 10 million dollars to be in a situation a role i mean the top pass rusher is making a guaranteed number of 15 million dollars jerry hughes is like number six uh, of top pass rushers in terms of guaranteed money this year so i mean i can't see him you know relegating himself into a uh a situation a role and i can't see the bills letting him do that you know at 10 million dollars and to further your point there's also another option that they could trade him you know they can trade him and uh, get a, a maybe a fourth fifth round pick you know best high end maybe get a third round pick i mean i would definitely explore that route but you know back to what you were saying like he would definitely 
you know, help these young pastors along. But just sometimes, you know, veterans aren't really, really willing to do that when they know, like, you know, this is their last hurrah. You know, now they're not really ready and willing to teach other rookies. And I have been on the record of saying that, you know, if they do cut Jerry Hughes, I think they should cut Mario Addison also and just let these young boys figure it out. You spent three draft pick, three high draft picks in the past two drafts on defensive ends. Let them figure it out and let them go after the pass rusher. What is the worst that can happen? Uh, tap into those wide ranges of outcomes. I mean, Bills Mafia has been saying all summer that the pass rush wasn't that good. So my 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 thinking is, what do what do they have to lose? You know, why not just let you know these rookies just go and eat and figure it out on the fly? And who knows, you know, what could come of this? It might be, you know, the that thing that gets the Bills over the hump and be able to beat the Chiefs. Yeah, so I don't know if I've said this before. I, I love Hughes, no question. Addison, I'm not a fan at all. I, I would love to see him get cut. I agree. Mm-hmm. If you're going to cut Jerry Hughes, you better be cutting Mario Addison because he was terrible in comparison to Jerry Hughes. I would argue he was terrible in general. I don't think he looked good. I don't think he looked fast. I think he looked out of shape. He did not look like the same player that I had seen in the past bunch of years with the Carolina Panthers. And I get it. He's nearing the end of his career. That is what happens. But if you're looking at cutting one of those guys, if you're looking at saving some money, go and cut Mario Addison. Don't cut Jerry Hughes. But then again, what you're saying isn't the worst idea. Do you just cut them all and go with the young guns? I mean, mm-hmm. like you said, maybe you don't have anything to lose. I, I personally would like to see us keep Hughes cut Addison so we have some of that extra money and at least we have Hughes one more year and then he probably retires and we all end up happy because Hughes gets to end his career as a bill and he really did a lot of great things here I'm not necessarily connected or engaged with Addison because he's a new addition to the team he's not like Hughes who's been here for quite a few years now so the final topic I want to cover it's more of a casual fun topic I saw Stefan Diggs tweeted out that it's not called pop. It's called soda. So I want to just preface this by saying I am Canadian. And to us, Mm -hmm. it's pop. I don't know what soda is. It's always pop. And I believe it's very similar in Western New York. I think it's considered pop. So it's kind of interesting that he did that. And I think a lot of people have gotten upset. Are you bothered by it at all? I'm not bothered by it at all. I mean, this is an age-old topic of the pop versus soda thing. And I've always said that soda is a Southern thing. People down South, closer to down South, always call it soda. Up in the North, up in New York, we call it pop. And that is what always what I've known it by. That's always what I call it. I need a pop, you know. And soda, like I said, it's always very interesting to explore, you know, different regions of the, of the U.S. and of the world, because you're from Canada, you know, and just see what they call everyday things, you know, and this is one of those things that has been debated for years, but yes, here in, in West New York, many of us call it pop, and I will continue to call it pop, and no, it did not, it does not bother me at all. Yeah, when I, when I went to a, a bunch of times, I've been to Bill's Dolphins games, and when I'm in Florida, Sometimes I'm at a restaurant and it slips my mind and I say, can I have a pop? And they look at me like I'm crazy. They have no (laughs) idea what I'm talking about. They go, do you mean soda? And I said, oh yeah, 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 that thing. So, you know, it's every place has their own way of calling them. It is funny that he went out and did that. Look, he's having some fun. Why not? Look, EJ, it's always fun to have you on. Definitely going to get you on again. 
during the preseason. I want to have a talk. We'll do probably a review of a game or something like that. I think there's some interesting stuff there about Jerry Hughes and Addison. I think some people would be surprised if Jerry Hughes gets cut. I don't think people would be surprised if Addison got cut. And I think people would be surprised if both got cut. But I wouldn't put it past management. The Bills' management, they really have not shied away from making the best move possible. They don't make moves to make players happy, per se. They make whatever's going to make the team the best and whatever's going to help that team get more wins. And if it means cutting those guys and either saving that money or spending it elsewhere, I would not put it past them. I just personally don't want to see Hughes go. I really like him. Addison, I could do without. But EJ, thank you so much for coming on. Always a pleasure to have you on. I appreciate you. Thank you again for always calling on me. Anytime you need me to come on, I'm, I'm available. Oh, yeah. Go Bills. Yes, sir. Go Bills. Hey, football fans. It's Chris Phillips of the Ball Hawks podcast. Come join myself and my co-host, Steve Fisher, as we dive into all the biggest NFL news, games, stories, free agency. We have it all, including weekly rundowns of our favorite teams, the Seattle Seahawks. Wilson, watch it all. Deep ball. Metcalf got it. And Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson trying to run away from some people. Still on his feet. Ball Hawks podcast, where weird food takes and movie opinions meet expert NFL analysis. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon.